Welcome, ladies, to the No Bad Day Show, Simple Wellness for Women. I'm Jolene Fisher, your host, and every episode of the No Bad Day Show will give you a view into the life of another woman, and she will share her story, triumphs, struggles, and all the lessons that she's learned along that path. And my goal as your host is to bring topics to you that are relevant and encouraging, because I want you to be inspired by uh, our stories, but be the hero of your own story. And this is why I introduce you to brave women who do hard things and uh, get really the meaning out of the No Bad Days motto and that perspective that we're going to hear today. And today we're talking to Katherine Reynolds. She's currently in the role of Life Enrichment Director for Daybreak Youth Services. And she coordinates life enrichment activities for girls ages 12 to 18 who are currently in treatment for substance abuse or mental illness. And she has a lot of experience with this, which she'll tell you her story here in a little bit. But she also serves on two boards for nonprofits for the Spokane Humane Society, as well as the Royal Closet, which I'd like you to explain a little bit at the end as well. Yeah, those are fun. Um, she is currently an empty nester. Her and her husband have two kids in college, which you'll hear that whole story as well. And uh, she certainly keeps herself busy because I was looking at this uh, page, my community involvement. Look at all those nonprofits that she's involved with. I'm like, wow. So if you uh, need somebody to be a master connector or know somebody, this is the gal. <laughs> Catherine knows everybody. And uh, I got the pleasure of meeting her. Uh, just, gosh, what did, oh, yeah, I know how we met. We, we met in line at a bikini competition. We did. We competed against each other. Yes. Well, I was well, in an older age group. <laughs> yeah, my last bikini competition was when I turned 40. And, and that was my first, and I was 50. And you were 50. And she was yeah. standing in front of me in, in line. And she's like, hey, I think I know you from Facebook or right. something. And uh, anyway, yeah, some mutual friends. And, and then now I met Kieran through yes. this too. And she was your last guest. And yes, yes. So, so many cool connections. connections. And you definitely are the master connector though. Well, that's been fun. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. Allison with the Build Two Girl Gang. Yes. And just, and you and Kelsey doing the fun flip-flop lemon drop party. And, yep. you know, Roderick's been great with coming to Daybreak to speak to the girls. And right. yeah, yeah, outpatient. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, I am so excited to have you here to share your story Thank about you. your daughter yep. and the the struggles that you went through and now on that other side. As parents, we really, if you're a parent watching today, right. uh, it is one of our biggest fears, right? That Absolutely. Our children will have some sort of addiction or mental illness mm -hmm. that we have to work through with them. And I'm curious to go into that story, but first give us a little bit of background into be your education and where you're from so people can get to know you a little bit better okay yeah no i'm from texas and i went to baylor so sickle bears um, they're doing great right now obviously but um proud baylor mom and mama bear no pun intended but um my met my husband at baylor and he's a physician here in spokane and we moved to DC and he did his fellowship and internship in Seattle. We fell in love with the Northwest and have been in Seattle, I mean in Northwest and Spokane for 30 years now. So I'm actually more of a Washingtonian than a Texan now. So the majority of my life has now been in the state of Washington versus Texas. So it's bittersweet, but um, I graduated with a degree in journalism and um, 
you know, did the stay-at-home mom stint for a while, and I've I've worked several different jobs and have had some kind of some fun little businesses. I had a little Kumon Center for a while, and I ran a tumble bus, which is a whole other funny story. I don't even know what that is. What is a tumble bus? A tumble bus. Yeah. I taught gymnastics classes to okay. kids under age five. I converted a 40-foot school bus. Wow. Painted it bright red. I drove it around Seattle. Had a couple of little fender benders. And driving this bus. No kids were in I would pull up to preschools and daycares, and the kids would come out, and I would do gymnastics lessons on the bus. Oh, fun. Isn't that oh, fun? Goodness. I did birthday parties for a bunch of the Mariners. And anyway, mm -hmm. it, was, it was a fun time. And Valerie was um, like three, four, and five. I did it for like three or four years. And so mm -hmm. she would get to ride on the bus with me, and it was really a lot of fun. So, yeah. So. And you um, also competed in a recent pageant. Tell us a little bit about that. I did. I know. I feel like if you don't, and you don't keep reinventing yourself or stay busy and positive and just finding something different. I just, I like to experience life. I really do. So I, I did. I competed in the Mrs. Washington pageant. And so that was fun. My title was Mrs. Lilac City. And that's where I met Kieran Reynolds, who won the, the title of Miss Spokane. There's a Miss Spokane for the unmarried ladies and a Mrs. Washington for, um, yeah, I'm sorry, the title Miss she won Miss Washington, and she was Miss Spokane. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So my title was Miss Lilac, Mrs. Lilac City, and I competed for the title of Mrs. Washington. But yeah, no, that was just it was fun. It was. Catherine's fun. trying to rope me into doing it. <laughs> I wanted to do it. She would have fun. So Karen and I are team tagging her. I know. I know. I'd have fun. And you know, and and I. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I just. And doing the bikini thing was a fun thing too, yeah. just to say I did it. I mean, you just set goals and you do it and then you you move on, find something different. But I've, yeah. I'm pretty settled this um, saving the animals and saving these young lives has kept me busy. Now. Yeah. yeah, and in the midst of that, you're doing hard things yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're working in those avenues and Tough. volunteering and, and that you have a job as a life enrichment director for yeah. Daybreak Services. So tell us what was the precipice that got you into what you're doing now with Daybreak. And tell, go, take us back to the story of uh, what, all happened. what all happened. Yeah. Well, oh, well, so back to like moving from Baylor with the journalism degree. My degree was obsolete the day I graduated. 85, the computers were everywhere. I think computers were mainstream wow. in 1985. I'm sorry. I graduated 88, 84, I graduated high school. So yeah, computers were, um, so as a journalism major, computers were, my degree was basically obsolete the day I graduated. So I still do, I barely know how to turn on a computer. And so fast forward, so we're up in DC, my husband's in med school, I have to go back to school. And I thought, well, I wanna be a teacher. You all use the journalism degree and teach. I've always liked kids. And so I went back to school to be a teacher and so I taught in DC and then I taught in, um, um, in the inner city school in Washington DC and then I taught in Seattle and then um, moved to Spokane. And um, that's where I stayed at home and had the Kumon Center. And I thought, well, maybe I'll go back to teaching one day. And I didn't really enjoy the classroom later, like once you have you know kids and then I had a baby and it was just like, ah. Eh. And then when my daughter started having some issues, and I'll get more into that, um, I 
wanted to go back to school to understand. I thought, well, maybe I can be a counselor. So I kind of felt like she didn't get the counseling that she needed. I felt she kind of fell through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a parent, you can't always be the best counselor to your own child. And you want someone else to tell them and to tell yourself that you're doing the right thing. Um, so I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand addiction. And I wanted to, I wanted to kind of hibernate from people at that point in my life. And going back to school was basically almost an escape. And, you know, I could um, decline activities. Very, I've got to study. I'm sorry, I can't go out. So I literally lost contact, lost touch. I, I hibernated for a good, it took me three years. I went back to school, very, just like two classes a semester because I just did it slowly. And because um, I was working on myself and I was still trying to, you know, find my daughter and just, see her through the other side of this. So yeah, it took me three years to go back to get a little certificate that could have been done in one year full time. So um, that was a rough go. So I went back to SFCC, the falls and got a certificate in addiction studies for counseling. And I did my internship at Baylor thinking I wanted to, I mean at Baylor at daybreak, thinking I wanted to be a um, counselor. For addiction studies and once I started hearing all these girls stories, I wasn't quite ready because right. I was still in the thrones of it with my own daughter mm -hmm. and it was I seriously had like PTSD like every time I would hear another girl's story I was just like I, I can't do this I just can't do this right now and the position opened up for the life enrichment yeah. and that was the way suited my needs mm -hmm. so it's been a win-win like I feel like I'm in a great place and I'm thankfully in a great place with my daughter right now. So, I mean, there is the redemption, but it was a long road. And I, I truly feel for those that, you know, are going through something right now with their own ch children. Right. And it's prevalent. I mean, praise God that you are able to have an amazing relationship with your daughter now. Yeah. But take us back to that time when things started to go the other direction and how old was she and where were you guys kind of at in your lives at that point? I know it's weird because you know, when you asked me to do this interview, I was thinking, well, gosh, I mean, obviously everyone's story is different. And you know, my story with my daughter, um, there are similarities and I know like parents that are, or anyone who's listening, if they are like, gosh, what are the warning signs? I mean, you can go online and look at the warning signs and, in the back of your mind, you think, well, yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, and you can always make excuses and you can always, you know, play devil's advocate, like, well, you make it, just come up with other reasons. Like they don't quite fall in this category, but basically go with your gut feeling. And um, um, I just got, I, you, I, I'm nervous, Jolene. Oh, that's okay. It's hard. I haven't really shared the story, so um, go back. Thank you for being sharing it because it is hard to tell. It's hard, and it's yeah. You've been through a lot of counseling too to help yourself through that, and I'd love for you to share about that as well. And your journey is a part of this because a lot of the women that are watching today are women in their you know thirties, forties, and up who have yeah. children and or have struggled with addiction themselves, maybe even depression and mental right. illness and how to really work our way through that as women who, some of us have privilege, some of us don't. Mm -hmm. And 
doesn't matter. We're we could all fall victim to any of those things that we're going to talk about today. And um, right, as, thank you for yeah, no, and as and as parents who raise our children in homes where we think they have pretty good life, mm -hmm. it's hard for us to to understand why they're doing what they're doing, right? And your daughter was a like a professional snowboarder, yep. and she grew up in that uh, like need to succeed, that that the thrill seeking, the, the thrill seeking, yeah, the, and the gratification mm -hmm. and the identity of. Um, so, if we're going to just talk about like her story, my story, mm -hmm. um, you know, Valerie, bright, very bright kid, you know. Great grades. Um, she's a great kid. I mean, well, she's a young woman now. She actually turns 29 in February, so she's approaching 30. And she's actually, I do have to say this, so this is amazing. She's in her third year of veterinary school. So she's actually going to be a doctor. So I'm so proud to say that. And I feel very fortunate because six years, no, eight years ago, like I didn't speak to her for two years. We almost, we didn't, we lost contact with her for two years. And I, we didn't know if she was dead in a ditch. I mean, it was the most, yeah, no, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's hard to believe now, but in that time, like when you asked me, like, what did I do? That's when I said I would, I just went back to school and I sought help myself because I, like I bit off all my fingernails. I couldn't get out of bed. I seriously was, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm like checking online, like missing persons. I mean, I, I really, we, we didn't know. We had to do the tough love. And, um, and I can tell like what brought me to that because I know a lot of parents like when I would never give up on my child. Like there's, how do you lose touch with your child? She, she chose that. Um, and you know, I didn't have a phone number, how to reach her. I mean, if, if you're blocked from Facebook and you, know, you don't have any contact with her friends. I mean, she's been this, she was in Colorado. We were here in Washington there was really no contact and her boyfriend at the time made it clear that, you know, she wanted nothing to do with us. And you know, we, I just had to curl up in bed and cry and pray. And finally my husband was like, you've got to do something. You're my happy person. And, you know, I, this is really, and it was affecting the family. It was affecting, you know, my son, James, who at the time was, there's an eight year separation and you know, he didn't understand. And it was, was about 10 to 15 years old around yep. those ages. Yep. Between that time frame, between those are some growing mm -hmm. ages. And so for two years, it was, he saw mom crying all the time, you know, mm -hmm. and trying to make me feel better. And it was traumatic on him. It was traumatic on my husband. It's, you know, addiction and bad choices are it's a whole family it affects the whole family and then you want to try to hide it from your parents you know the grandparents like well how's that how are the kids oh they're great everything's good and you know you try to put on that good front and then even like i don't need to go see anyone you know i'm i'm okay you know i'm the happy person and it got to be like maybe i need to talk to someone because i I can't even, I, I, I couldn't function. And so I needed a, something to think about. So it's like, I want to understand addiction. So that's what 
took me back to SFCC. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'll just take some classes in addiction studies to try to understand, you know, what she's going through and to find Well, I think one of the amazing things about your story, Catherine, is that there's a lot of women listening who are in the state of depression right now or anxiety ridden. Mm-hmm. And maybe they feel like they don't know what the next step is for them either. What was it that, or maybe it was your husband saying, I need my happy person back. Yep. Uh, we all need those type of people in our lives, right? Good a friend, a husband, a wife, or whoever to say, hey, find your happy again. And what did that look like for you? It was, yeah. Find your happy again. Was it? It was counseling. Going back to school and counseling. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I reached out to uh, a couple of friends and I retreated because I felt like all of my friends' kids were doing well, you know, and, and it was like my child was the only one that wasn't doing that well. And well, I, I sought Al Anon as well. I went to a couple of Al Anon meetings um, and I actually met a group. Oh, this one is actually kind of cool. So it shows you good things do come out of things. So um, I would leave the Al-Anon meetings um, actually more depressed. Like, well, that wasn't enlightening. Like everyone was complaining about, you know, the, the trouble and the, that their children had caused and just like what they put their family, the emotional turmoil that they put their family through. And there was one woman that was able to relate to me and she's a good friend to this day. Her son was going through the same issues, and she said, I feel like we're missing, you know, Jesus in this. There's not uh, the, the true higher power, even though whatever that may be. And she and I and some other moms got together and we started the group PTA, okay. Parenting Through Addiction. I love it. And it was, we partnered with Whitworth. Okay. And um, they are actually taking over this whole program and it's going to be like a self-guided based on churches okay. for, you know, parents, like a, a guide more just to, to help. But so that's a separate story. That's a whole other fun thing that evolved out of. So I did, I, I sought counseling through a Christian counselor and he was the one that advised me. He said, you need to, you need to just let go, let God basically. And um, you've done everything you can. She's an adult um let's just work on you and that was helpful he said you know what's something that interests you can you you know, find to all the stuff that we know you know you, you know the right things to do but you always need someone to someone else to tell you right just like you know my daughter i felt like you know she needed someone else other than her mom or her dad telling her what to do because she rebelled and went down the wrong path made the wrong choices hung out with the wrong people and it just perpetuated. And I think, you know, everyone, everything's different. I think it's, it's, there's so many layers, you know I mean? I want to say she was a thrill seeker and just an athlete, put a lot of expectations on herself and these parents, you put expectations on your children as well. You want them to succeed. You want them to do well academically, you know, being a prized athlete, and, you know, I just think it was just everything, just the outside forces, um, depression set in with her, with so many injuries, she wasn't able to, you know, reach her performance as she thought. And, and, and marijuana is a gateway drug, hands down. That's why you shouldn't use it till you're 25, you really, when your brain is formed, 
but 21 is even better. And the studies show addiction, the longer you wait to drink, smoke, do anything, the least likelihood you have of it becoming an addiction. So the longer you can wait, the better. Um, so that was, she was a snowboarder hanging out in a train park back in the day when it was the culture, you know, everyone was smoking weed and they'd go and jump, you know, 50 foot gaps, you know, and then next thing you know, she's, you know, another concussion, another concussion, a broken bone. She had 18 broken bones by the time she was 16. Wow. So her body hurt too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was, so marijuana was a gateway for her at that mm -hmm. time. At that time. And alcohol after she went to college? Yeah. Or alcohol okay. after college. Yeah. And so that was the other hard thing with her being in the state of Colorado. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't, you couldn't parent from afar. Right. And she was fortunate that at the age of 16, she was on the junior Olympic team. And so she moved to Colorado with a host family. And that's whenever. So her junior and senior year, she finished in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And um, she went to see Boulder as a freshman. Um, and that's when the trouble really started happening. But I didn't realize it at the time because she still had good grades. So, you know, you think everything's great, you know, and she ended up getting kicked out of school because she had three minor possessions. It's basically a three strikes and you're out. So she had three strikes and you're out. We didn't know any of this until she's out. So she had to call and tell us that she's been picked out of school. Mm -hmm. And um, we, she came home. We tried the counseling, you know, family counseling and you know, with her just over the summer. And the counselor told us she's not ready to go back to school. Should have listened to her. But, you know, you, you want to leave your child, like, I need to go back to school. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. And we let her go back. It's a mistake. But um, she wouldn't be the person she is if she didn't, you know, do all of these trials and tribulations. I have to just keep coming back to that. Like, yeah, well, it's made her stronger. And now, um, looking back, now she's very appreciative for everything. And she's extremely apologetic. She's, it took her to age 25 for her to say, wow, I was a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you were. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I want to, I, you've already told me the story, but I want the listeners to hear part of this, is that she went to CU Boulder and got kicked out of school. That's when you found out that she, why she got kicked out. Yep. And when did the rehab happen? Where is that in the story? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants any gory details, they can call me and I can tell them the, some other stories. So if you want to hear some, you know, amazing stories, then feel free to reach out to me privately. Um, so she was kicked out and, um, we begged her to, after we sent, sent her back as a sophomore against the counselor's judgment. Um, but she was arrested. And um, basically, I mean, this is every parent's nightmare. Um, she did not, she was ashamed so much so that she didn't want us to know. She tried to hide everything. She sold her car to pay for a lawyer to try to 
you know, get it reduced, the sentence reduced, and um, so hoping we wouldn't find out. So we found out, and you know, it wasn't pretty. You know, we're like, as a normal parent, you know, you, we, now looking back, it was like, you know, maybe I should have approached that differently with a lot more sympathy and understanding and try to understand, but it's just like, you know, you sold your car, you know what? But um, I, we, we got involved, and um, that, that was basically an ultimatum to you know, go, go, go to rehab or, you know, you're, you're, you're totally cut off. Mm -hmm. So she went to rehab um, in the state of California. So she was already 19. So under, yeah, you have to self-admit mm -hmm. at age 19. So I remember taking her down there. She wasn't happy about it at all. Didn't believe she had a problem. And, you know, and I don't know if she, she obviously had a problem. Um, and the intake counselor said, so what's your drug of choice? And I'm right there too. And, and she's like going, your mom can leave the room if you'd rather her leave the room. And she was like, I don't care. She's like going, everything. She's like going, I don't really have a drug of choice. So they're like, what do you mean? Like, so how many times did, what have, what have you done? And it was, I just remember just sitting there just in, in shock wanting to cry. It was almost like she wanted me to know, like, like she wanted to hurt me. Just, I think, and I wanted her, it was a tough time. There was yeah. a lot of struggle, mother-daughter issues. And she was like, you know, cocaine, LSD. Um, you know, and they were asking like, so how many times did she do LSD? She's like, probably a hundred. Yeah. No, that was my reaction oh, too. I'm sure it was way worse than that. But yeah. in your yeah, in the counselor's in office, the counselor's office, and and the they're just taking all this down, not flinching. You know, they've learned like just how to just write everything down and intake and and um, um, you know they asked you know like needles, hair, and she's like you know thank God you know she's never she didn't go she was. I bet that was next. You know, and Sarah, who you're interviewing in two more weeks, she will tell her journey of heroin addiction. And that's the hardest one to overcome. And even the counselor there was just like, you're lucky, you know, because that is the opioids and heroin. And thank God she was not addicted to the opioids. With, pain, with all of her pain meds, she would have thought that would have been an easy one to fall onto. Um, but what got her in trouble is she was selling all of her pain meds. Okay. So she was basically the dealer, and that's how she got arrested. Um, so she was not addicted to those, but the, the counselor that was doing her intake said, so it sounds like you're saying you're not addicted to anything, but it looks like you're addicted to poor choices. And that really resonated with me, and I was like, yeah, that's why. That's right. <laughs> She's addicted to poor choices. Let's, let's fix her. Right, and then you're happy that she's there because you're like, she's going to be fixed yep. in a 90-day period of time. And so tell us what happened after that, 90 days. Yep, this is, a, this is an education for me too. So as a parent, you think, oh, yay, rehab, she's fixed. I'm going to go back 90-day. We did the parent weekend, and I picked her up. Life is good. And, you know, and not to – I mean – there's pros and cons to rehabs. I mean, obviously I work in one now and I see, you know, the girls coming back and like, I you just, you, if you are not familiar with that and rehab and addiction, 
you really, I thought it was like a one time, like one and done. She's going to be fixed. Everything, life is going to be good. So after 90 days, she gets into CSU in Fort Collins. So she got picked out of CU Boulder. So she got accepted to another school in Colorado. And um, she was still with her boyfriend. And I'll just call him the bad news boyfriend. Of course, it's easy for a mom to place blame whenever it's obviously two peas in a pod. And I'm sure that his parents were like, oh, if only he'd met a nice girl. <laughs> you know, we're like, he's the bad news boyfriend. But um, so I pick her up in California. We go back to Colorado, all excited, signed a lease on an apartment, it's a freshman start, she got in. She's going back to college. She, she should be a junior, but she's actually a sophomore since she got, yeah, we pulled her out to go to rehab her spring of her sophomore year. So she's basically a sophomore. Um, and all excited, she had her new little roommate, signed a lease on an apartment, furniture's being delivered the next day, and she wants to go out with her friends, um, and her boyfriend is there too. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna clean the apartment, get all settled. She comes home intoxicated. I break down. Mm -hmm. And so it's a long time ago, and I can't. And I call my husband, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. And it just set me back. You know, here you think, and and now hindsight, like Valerie and I have never had like those deep conversations. Like, no, I just like we're fixed. Everything's good. Everything's gonna look good on the surface. You're going back to school, and this is all good. And Relapse the very first night, like in front, just like in front of me. Right. She's not even trying to hide it. I was trying to hide it. And I was like, were you drinking tonight after 90 days of sobriety and rehab? And um, my husband's like, get on a plane tomorrow. Tell Valerie she's coming home. You know, well, she's not going to school. She's not ready. Bring her home. I said, we're going home tomorrow, Val. You know, I'm changing our flights. You're coming home with me. We're buying you a one-way ticket. She was like, I'm not going. And that was like, what do you mean? You know, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and so just I was totally at a loss. And that was when we basically lost. She wasn't going. There was nothing that you, that was when I realized I can't do anything. I can't control her. And then that set me back in the depression. And that's whenever the Christian counselor is wonderful as he helped me a lot. I knew I needed some, I, I needed something else. It set me, you know, I was like five steps forward. That was 10 steps back. Right. So that's whenever I went to see a psychiatrist to get on some medication. And he truly diagnosed me with um, situational depression. He said, you've had a traumatic experience. You know, it's basically like it was the death of a daughter. It was, it was, you know, and I, I thank God every day that, you know, she is still alive. You know, I mean, but I, I for two years, mm -hmm. I was just curled up in a ball, you know, and that's whenever, yeah. Yeah, and so she made that decision. You guys didn't. Mm -hmm. However, you had to, as parents, uh, allow it, but also step in and you had to have her evicted from the apartment that you had just, yeah paid for or been a co-signer on or whatever. Yep. And um, what else did you guys have to do well, for tough love with that? Took away her phone. She, she didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. She didn't have any money at all. 
she literally had, you know, her clothes, you know, and all the furniture was being delivered. I canceled the furniture order and said, you know, come home when you're ready. You're always welcome to come home. You know, we welcome you. We want, I mean, we wanted her home. That was the only way to really protect her. And she didn't come home for two years. She, but you know, it made her stronger. She worked three jobs and um, she went in school and she realized it's a lot of work, you know, and she wasn't so, she was still enjoying partying. And I just think she just had to figure it out on her own. And now she's been sober for how long? Yep. It's been, she turns 29 years old. It's Valerie, I should have asked you about telling all this before. I didn't know I was gonna tell all these, the gory details, but she turns 29 in February. And I couldn't be more proud mm-hmm. of who she is now. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> you're, Valerie, oh. if you are watching this, you're yeah. an amazing woman who has so much courage to step out and do what you've done. Right. And to allow your story to be told. Yeah. Because so many people can heal from that. And that's just the vulnerability of all of us when we have that type of vulnerability to be able to talk about our stories. Very true. It's not only healing for us, but a healing for the woman on the other side of the screen or to know that whoever's watching has a resource now that they can talk to or reach out to and say, Hey, I'm going through the same thing. Absolutely. Where could you point me? Which direction can I go? Um, And we're going to check here in a minute to see if there's questions on Facebook. If you have questions on Facebook, please ask them because we are live right now in the Nomad Days of Wellness for Women group. And I just appreciate Valerie allowing your mom to tell this story. And I just, let's bring it around to that day that she either called or showed up at your doorstep. What was that like right. for you guys? Well, you know, I always, now we, we've had some good discussions and like I've asked her like, so are you glad you went to rehab? Like, did it really even help at all? And that, and she said, no, you know, it really did, you know, plant some seeds. And she realized, I mean, here she was at 19 with like 30, 40, 50, 60 year old women who'd like lost everything. And just hearing their stories just made her realize, well, I, I don't want to be like that. But, you know, it's still, she said it was in college and it's just the culture. And I just think, you know, the drinking and, you know, for me going back to school, I learned you know, the difference between, um, you know, psychological addiction versus physiological addiction. And there's just so many different avenues. And then just at what point, you know, it overcomes you and where you just feel like you, you, you need it. And it's, and it's a shame our culture has evolved into that. Like, why is it, totally acceptable to always drink. I mean, it's alcohol's poison. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's like, well, why are you drinking that when there's nothing good about it? Right. You know, and nothing good happens past midnight and nothing good happens after two drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't limit yourself to two, it's just, but it's the same, you know, that's, that's in a whole other podcast about the whole addiction and recovery, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was telling you about sugar. Well, I remember I was recently at daybreak for a graduation ceremony that they do. And you can talk a little bit about that. But and I think these girls who are that young, or men too, have such a uphill battle against society in general. They're, they're, 
they've been in recovery for however many days they're there and they get out and they have every hope to stay that way yet society smacks them in the face with potentially not a home to live in mm-hmm. for these girls right at daybreak um, going home to an environment where there's alcohol and drugs right. still in their environment right uh, and even if they don't have that in their immediate environment society as a whole says oh it's okay to drink it's okay to smoke marijuana and they want to live their childhood out in those ways that's normal right Right. and it's legal right yeah Yeah, that's got to be so hard for young people who who still want to say i want to have that like experience of college and everyone's doing it so why shouldn't i right right it's hard to be the strong one to say you know Mm -hmm. no it's not my cup of tea (laughs) very hard at that age and and you know what that's the one thing i'm gonna put a little kudos in for my son he watched Mm -hmm. this he's 20 years old and never had a drink of alcohol sip of alcohol just has no desire Mm -hmm. he's he's one of those that's strong enough and he's at a party school he's known for a party reputation he's a coog go (laughs) coogs but he it's it's prevalent you know there most college towns are and he just you know has been uninvolved in that and i want to another thing to thank my daughter for you know he saw what it did to her and just wants no part of it so but back to your question i totally back to the when she she and her boyfriend broke up so that was when she reached out when I think, you know, she literally hit rock bottom because she didn't have a place to live. And I think it took a lot of courage for her to do that. But on the other hand, you know, I give her kudos for two years. I thought it would be a month. You know, I thought she would be calling, wanting to come home in a month or two. And um, it was it was literally close to two years before she was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to school. Right. realizing that that was and I was like well are you gonna be able to get accepted to school you know um, and she applied back to Colorado see Boulder mm-hmm. she had to go in front of a panel to explain you know what's happened I mean the blessing was she still was a decent student she had she still had good grades right. even though she was kicked out of two schools literally well she had to withdraw from CSU because we she went to rehab and so she explained I went to rehab and you know I still had to find myself and figure it out but will you guys please take me back and so she went in front of a panel of 10 people they accepted her back on probation and so she fulfilled her duties and she graduated with honors with a degree in biology and you know is that the picture on the yeah. that we'll use for yeah. Yeah. the promotion? That was the, yeah. graduation. Yeah, um, I think she graduated at age twenty-five, mm-hmm. and um, yep, yeah, that makes sense. And then she got into veterinary school, and that which is very difficult. And her grades weren't—I mean, you need a four to get into that school. I mean, she had like a three-three, you know, because um, she had some withdrawals, and I think she had one F. They couldn't anyway, mm-hmm. so. But all of her, she had a 4.0 in all of her biology classes, so that made her desirable for a vet school. And she got an interview, and she, I remember she called me and said, should I be honest about my, what's happened? And I was like, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Part of me was like, 
yeah, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. And it was a God thing because whoever interviewed her understood her structure. She was completely honest. They connected and he took a chance on her. Oh, yeah. Now where did she go to school? So she's at Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine. It's in the Caribbean. There really? I know, right? <laughs> well, they're kind of known for taking chances on, they, you don't have to have a 4.0 to get into. Mm -hmm. They look at the broader range um and it's quote quote known to be a little easier to get into but ross is smart because they accept everyone but then they like 60 people didn't make it after the first semester mm -hmm. so they get all the money they get your tuition and then they it's like a sink or swim and so it, it she thrived on it so okay. she was like i'm swimming and gonna be at the top of my class and right now i just seriously like got a text from her She's in the middle of finals. She'll be home in two weeks. She is number one in her class. Ah, I know. That's such a cool story. So I love it. Congratulations. Yeah. That's so many great. Great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, it's a long road. Mm -hmm. so it's, it was a long road. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable through it. I know it was Yeah. Fun. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Now that you've done that, right. you can do a few more, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Now it's like every time I hear these little girl stories at daybreak, mm -hmm. it's it's hard. And you know, so when Sarah will be interviewing in a couple of weeks, so she can tell you know, her story, and right. she's always amazing to hear. Can you tell me? Tell us a little bit. Let's keep going. Okay. I want to talk about daybreak a little bit more. So, how can people support them? And can you tell? A little bit more about Daybreak and the Royal Closet. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Of course, that's right. Good, mm -hmm. good job remembering those two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. So Daybreak is um, for girls twelve to eighteen, and we do have the boys who are in the other facility down in Vancouver. So um, I've been there for three and a half years, and it's girls twelve to eighteen, and we have the ENT side as well for the evaluation and treatment, and those are the girls with mental health issues. And a lot of times they're co-occurring. You know, obviously they're masking their mental health with addiction, but not always. You know, a lot of times these girls will come with acute crises mode or self-harming of attempted suicide and a lot of other issues. Um, um, and because we're not a detox facility, so um, um, the girls will come into the ENT side and then we'll get their mental health issues stable, and then they can move over to the um, chemical dependency side and then we'll work with and they get to continue with the same counselor which is what's the beauty of daybreak mm -hmm. so it's all in one under one roof but um, uh, no daybreak we service the whole area we have clients from um, you know Idaho and Oregon and um, it's been around for 43 years now so yeah yeah and then the royal closet on that, I've got to give Spring Goody kudos. She's the founder of the Royal Closet and um, realized it was just more than she could handle working full time. And Daybreak was her biggest client, per se, for all the girls to come and do their little prom. We do the three dances a year. And the girls would, they got to go shopping and pick out a beautiful dress and just feel like a princess for a day. And um, the Spokane Community College cosmetology students come in and do all their hair and makeup and a professional photographer comes in and does their portraits. And so it's it's a great experience. And the Royal Closet is actually not just for daybreak. It's for 
um, the community at large. And that's where Jolene is helping on the committee and your daughter, Allie. And kudos to you for being such a phenomenal mom and getting Allie involved with, you know, our community with Project Beauty Share and, you know, and now the Royal Closet and Daybreak and just to realize, um, you know, it's not all of its heart at that age because you're just very self-centered, right? You know, at those young, I mean, seriously, from age 15 to 25, it's the life revolves around this is, this is it. <laughs> it's hard to see outside of that. Yes. So I can't tell you how many times I, I talk to my children or my son on the phone and it's all about how is it going for you? And then never a question. Oh, well, how are you? And what's going on in your life? <laughs> like always one-sided. Yeah, but that will change. Someday. It does. Yeah. And and it, and that changed with Valerie. Like, mm -hmm. like literally it was like age 25, 26. When she graduated CU Boulder, she realized, wow, okay, there's more to this world than just this little <laughs> tiny bubble. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, oh, yeah. Um, well, I want to put a plug in for Make May Amazing. Oh, thank you. So that is May 9th. Yeah. And it is here in Spokane. It is going, uh, the Royal Closet is going to be basically showcasing a lot of their dresses. And we are on the board of directors for that. Of course you are, because you work for Daybreak. But Daybreak Youth Services is doing this big event to raise money for yep. the life enrichment programs. Exactly. And the life enrichment programs, in fact, Monica Reed, who commented here, oh. is one of those life enrichment uh, program oh. facilitators. She's, she owns Barbell. to give Monica a yeah. plug. Yeah. Barbell Fitness Studio and uh, in Liberty Lake and here in the Spokane Valley. And she has the Daybreak Girls come and they take bar classes. And they love it. Yeah. They go like twice a month. And Monica and Jen Smith, who's also now on the committee, she couldn't make the meeting. They... Um, or teach the lessons and yeah the life enrichment program is instrumental with daybreak because I think you've heard the success rate there's a difference between completion rate and success rate we're starting to monitor success rate what you consider success is you know is does that mean 90 days sober does that mean a year sober is it five years sober I mean when you're tracking 12 year old little girls you know it's hard to what success means at that age but um, completion rate since the life enrichment program was implemented our completion rate at daybreak four years ago was 82%, basically a B minus. It is an A plus rating right now. It's wow. 97, 98% completion rate. Yeah. For Kudos to you for going in life enrichment yeah. and all your team too. But yeah, what you guys have done with the, the dances that you put on yeah. and how you take the girls out of the facility. If you guys get a chance, yeah. come visit the facility. You'll see what we're talking about. Getting out of that facility into like, and knowing that you can do life and what life is out there. experiences that they yeah. wouldn't have otherwise right. experienced. Yeah. yeah, they don't get to have prom or homecoming if they're in a facility like that. And even if they were not in that facility, would they be able to afford a dress or yeah. have the ability to go? And so the Royal Closet does allow anyone in the Spokane community to come get a dress for free yep. for any event coming up, even for women our yes. age. <laughs> I was at the furball. There was you know, yeah. for, the, for the Humane Society, people came in and borrowed dresses, which yeah. was really nice. It was great. So giving. I'm yeah. totally doing so that. May, May 9th, it's, it's brunch. We're doing a, like, May 10th, Sunday is Mother's mm -hmm. Day. So um, May 9th is our Make May Amazing. It is a brunch, so it's mm -hmm. early in the morning. 
um, at Northern Quest Casino. So be on the lookout for more info in 2020. Mom, you need to come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're still watching. <laughs> I, know. I know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here again. I'm glad we ended on that. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.